0: Hello, this is Pastor Daniel Cruz. Thank you so much for downloading our podcast. I enjoy spending this time with you, and I hope that this message series entitled Power of All blesses you. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. We've been speaking about the power of all. Everybody say the power of all. The power of all. And... Um, I want you to listen to this very carefully because the power of all is not just a sermon series. It's not just a nice faith world theme for the year. But the power of all scripturally must be pursued. And the problem with many churches is that they don't teach on the power of all. They don't teach on the body being one and needing one another, each joint supplying. Are you listening to me? Fitly joined together. This is a scriptural principle. This is a biblical kingdom principle that when we veer away from it, then what we have is really a hodgepodge of believers each going in a different direction. There is no oneness, if you will. There is no there is no solidarity there is no unity in any way shape or form and so there a lot of churches are like that you attend you all hear a message It's inspiring, you feel good, you feel goose pimples uh, every so often, then after service, maybe chat with a few people, greet a few people, you're off to your home. There is no sense of unity, there is no unison in the body, there is no purpose, there is no meaning, there is no direction as a body. And that, my friends, is nothing more than a Frankenstein monster. You know, Frankenstein was made up of different pieces, right? Different pieces from different bodies, different bodies. Hello, is there an amen in the house? And, uh, and if you notice Frankenstein's movies, especially the old Frankenstein movies, uh, he didn't coordinate his walk really well, right? He's, he doesn't walk normally, you know, hey, hello, I'm Frankenstein monster, you know, no, he was, you know, walking like this and going like this and so on and so forth. He was awkward, discombobulated. Why? Because he was a, a makeup of different body parts from different people, right? And that's what happens to a church when a church is not in unity with one mind and one purpose the Bible says that we must come together in one mind and in one purpose this is not speaking hypothetically this is not speaking even figuratively this is speaking literally we must be of one mind and one purpose and we have to understand if you belong to a church you better find out what the purpose of that church is where it's headed what is the vision and am I included in making this happen in the name of Jesus Christ in other words what is our purpose on the earth and if we can tailor it a bit closer what is the purpose of our church in this city somebody say amen glory to god and so it's important uh, that we pursue this watch what the bible says i'm reading from the amplified version of the bible and i'm reading from first peter chapter 3 verse 11. everybody say verse 11. Uh, Notice it on your screens there. It says, let him turn away from wickedness and shun it, and let him do right. Let him search for peace, harmony, undisturbedness from fears, agitating passions, and moral conflicts, right? And then it says, and seek it eagerly. Do not merely, listen, this is the command of the Lord. Do not merely desire peaceful relations with God, Do not merely desire peaceful relations with your fellow men and with yourself. But what? But what? Everybody say it. Say it on the count of three. One, two, three. But pursue. Go after them. In other words, God is saying, this is not a matter of whether you want to or not. God is commanding you to pursue what? Relationship with God, numero uno, and then relationship with your fellow man. In other words, God is saying, make sure that you are pursuing oneness or to operate as a body, a complete body. Somebody say the power of all. And God says, go after them, right? go after it go after what go after peaceful relationships with God with your fellow men and even with yourself everybody say with myself glory to God amen and he says pursue them somebody say pursue them now let me ask you a question we've been talking about the power of all in the church and and how important the power of all is and how we operate as one body and how important that is for you not just to come to a church and be a, a casual attender, uh, but that you include yourself in the body of the, of the church, that you come uh, and submit yourself, if you will, to uh, growth and to ongoing discipleship so that you can grow in your most holy faith. Jesus left us a model, and his model was this. He didn't just come and sporadically teach everywhere he went and that's it and then he hoped that these people would come together and form a church after he had ascended to heaven that's not god's plan god did not do this just simply on the hopes that people would get it he wasn't doing that that way he made sure that there was a strategic listen kingdom plan on building a church and building it from the foundation and so what he did was this He grabbed 12 men. He prayed all night, the Bible says, and then he gathered and he went and walked about and began to identify those that would be a part of the foundation of the church. So he went to Matthew. He went to Peter. And he said, follow me. Uh, He went to the various disciples, Andrew. He went and said, follow me. Are you listening to me? He went to 12 men, he said, follow me. He even went to Judas, and he said, how many of you know God's plans for Judas were greater than Judas' plans for himself? Amen? Watch this. And you see the results. And so he goes to these 12 men, and he says, follow me. Why? He says, follow me because I'm going to alter the way you're living right now. I'm going to shift your priorities. I'm going to change those bifocals you're looking at life through. I'm going to cause you to see things differently. I'm going to unite uh, each one of you to each other. I'm gonna knit you guys together. Are you listening to me? And so he began to work, and I love this about Jesus. He calls these 12 men, they drop everything, follow him, and throughout the course of the next three years, he begins to listen, eavesdrop, listen on their conversations. He teaches them, and then he waits. He teaches them, and then he waits. He teaches them, and then he waits. He He teaches them and then he waits what is he waiting for their reaction their response how they're going to respond to the word taught right and so here you have Jesus teaching this the 12 disciples and then he's walking and then he hears them arguing And they're arguing amongst each other who's going to be the greater one in the kingdom, who's going to sit on his left, who's going to sit on his right. They start arguing. And I love this about Jesus because this is what happens with the power of all. When you are in an environment that believes in the power of all. Listen, when it comes to Jesus and his disciples, it was one for all and... Come on, it was one for all and all for one. Is there an amen? They were in this thing together, you all. This, this, these were some bad boys. Amen? I could imagine Jesus. Have you ever seen those slow motion movies when uh, those movies and they, they have a part in slow motion where they're all coming out. There's, there's some music in the background and then they all slow motion. They're just kind of walking. The ones on the side looking to the side and blinking real slowly. Come on, they just look bad walking in together. Amen? Can you imagine Jesus walking into a place, a city, a town? Amen? All their bo- these boys, they must have felt like, <clears throat> come on, man. This is Jesus. We got Jesus. Who do you have? <laughs> Who do you have? No, we have Jesus. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. Whose disciple are you? <laughs> Did you hear about it? He raised the dead in the last town. Come on, somebody. Amen? So they they must have been really happy and proud about this. But this wasn't just about being proud to be around Jesus. This was the life that was taking place because they were around Jesus and in this community of 12. The Bible teaches that Jesus would listen to their conversation and then say to them, why? Why are you saying this? Why are you talking like this? why are you thinking this way haven't i told you and so on and so forth you start seeing this in the life of jesus's interaction with his disciples why listen to me carefully because he was chiseling them molding them correcting them rebuking them what did he tell peter what did he tell peter when peter said master they're leaving your words are hard your words are coming across as too much to handle what, what could we do? Jesus said, what do you want me to do? If you want to leave, you can leave too. Jesus rebuking. Jesus correcting. Are you listening to me? Because that's what happens in community. That's what happens in a church that is operating in the power of all. You don't mind being inspected. In fact, you put yourself out there to be inspected. Is there an amen? Well, who is this person to tell me anything? Blah, blah, and bleh, bleh, and blue, blue. Okay, who is this person? Who's that person? Let, let, me, t- let me tell you who they are. They are your brother. They are your sister. They are the ones that God divinely puts you in. Hear me. The same community they're a part of. And I love this about God. God places us in churches and I'm not talking about people that just go from church to church and they're church hoppers. That's not what I I'm, I'm talking about people that are in a church and this is their church home. God places you in churches and God places you in communities with just enough people to encourage you. Just enough people to lift you up. But just enough people to get on your last nerve. Just enough people to agitate you to get in your face are you listening to me because no one grows healthy in an environment of compliments no one grows spiritually in an environment where everyone is complimenting you and patting you on the back and telling you you look great hallelujah Oh, look at this, brother! Praise the Lord! You look fantastic. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Yes, because that's how we do in this church. We do great. No, oh. they're gonna look at you, and when you come in, hey, man, how you doing? Praise the Lord. What's up with you, man? You look different. Something's up. Something's up. No, I'm doing all right, man. Mm-mm no 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 what's going on man how you doing is it your 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 marriage Uh, well you know this woman all right well let's talk man listen I was there went through the same thing this is how God brought me out and I believe God will bring you out what happens in community it's the power of all we come together, we draw from one another, we encourage one another, we let each other know, wait, you were, you're there now, but I was there last year, and let me tell you how God pulled me through, and all the hell that I had to go through, so I, I would encourage you to stop what you're doing right now, because you can't, you can't go on this road, you can't go on this way. Is there an amen in the house? That's what happens in the po- when we operate in the power of? In the power of? Say it again, in the power of? All. All. We build each other up. You know how many times I got rebuked by my pastor? Too many to count. Too many to count. I got rebuked. I couldn't stand to get a phone call from him. I was at my job. And my coworker would say, Reverend Alvarez on the phone. I'm like, don't answer it. Wherever in Alvarez, line two, I used to be like, man, he called again. I used to say this if it was important, he'll call again. And my phone used to sound like this. And when I used to see. Reverend uh, Reverend Alvarez on line two. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, pastor, how you doing? He goes, Danny boy. (laughs) Don't anybody call me Danny boy. Only he called me Danny boy. (laughs) He used to say, oh, hey, Danny boy. He goes, come by the office. Uh, When do you have lunch? I said, "Uh, 12 o'clock. He said, come by. I would go by his office. He would would says, sit down. He said, I had somebody come here and told me this, 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 and this about you. He said, I'm not going to believe it until it comes out of your mouth. I was a grown man. I was a grown man. I, 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 why, why is a grown man being held accountable by another man? I didn't know at the time that God was preparing me, molding me, shaping me through not just encouragement, but through chastisement, rebuke, correction, calling you and and finding out what's true and what's not. And I told my pastor, I said, I said, yeah, that's true. He said, why? Why? When this is what I've taught you, and this is what I've taught you, this is what God's word says, and I'll say, Pastor, I don't have an excuse. All I know is that I need God to show up right now. I don't want to continue this way. Please don't let me continue this way. Sometimes he would weep. Sometimes he would come, sit next to me, leave his desk, come and sit next to me, and pray with me. But one thing I sought to never do was to deny it. If I was caught red-handed, so to speak, I would confess it say, yeah, Pastor, man, that's what's going on. Or if I knew that that was not true, I would say, no, that's, that's not true, Pastor. But one thing I'll tell you is that I cherish every moment, every rebuke, every correction from this man to me. And to this day, I miss him dearly because he went to be with the Lord a few years ago. And I loved, I loved him so much that when I went through a crisis with my wife and we thought it was over, and this was going on now to, to eight years ago, who was the first person I ran to? My pastor lives in, lived in Florida, Orlando, Florida. First person I called was him. And I said, Pastor, I need you. I need your help right now. this is what's going on and so on and so forth and he said danny get on the next flight and come here i'm gonna have a room waiting for you and i remember i got on a flight and i ended up over there in florida he came to pick me up in the airport i started weeping in the car didn't know what was going on didn't know my my up from down my left from my right spiritually or, or even naturally. I just, I just didn't know where I was at. Completely out of it. And when I got to his house, he opened up the doors, went, opened up another door to what would be my bedroom. And he said, here's your things. He says, because I told him I needed to fast and I didn't want to be disturbed. He says, I'm just two bedrooms away. I closed myself in and I started fasting and seeking the face of God, getting up at one in the morning, two in the morning. He would come. He would knock on the door. He would say, do you need anything? I would say, no, pastor, I'm fine. Where are those relationships forged? Where, are those re- where was that relationship cemented? Where was it built? It was built in a community of people, leaders, leaders that you became vulnerable in front of, that you said, this is who I am, this is how I am, this is the mess going on in my life. We didn't try to look pretty to one another because when you're in a community in a real church, you don't care how they see you. You just want to be seen Real. This is who I am. When I'm doing great, I'm doing great. When I'm going through hell, I'm going through hell. But are you there for me? Are you there to encourage me? Are you there to pick me up? Are you there to tell me it's all right? Are you there to tell me you were once there but God brought you through? Are you there? Are you there? Are you there? there? Or are we just playing games? Are we just showing up to church looking the part but there's no life? There's no substance? There's no real. Confrontation. There's no real. Pick me up when I'm falling. Come on, somebody. Everybody say the power of all. You see, God has called us to build. He's called us to build a church. He gave us a building. And this building is. About nothing more than legacy everybody say legacy let me ask you a question do you want your children in a church where they are just a number do you want your children in a church where they are just counted on Sunday do you want your children growing up in a church that knows them while they're growing up knows their aspirations are able to guide and to lead to encourage are able to connect them to other people in within the body to nourish their growth to nourish them to disciple them is there an amen in the house see that's the kind of church god has called us to build He hasn't called us to build a spiritual social club he has not called us to build just simply another church in the community he's called us to build a church that is going to impact generations that is going to impact and leave a legacy that is going to know you and know your children where you're going to listen be baptized be married and possibly be buried are you listening to me is there an amen in other words, God has called us to grow together as one. I don't want to be a part of just a social club. There are many social clubs. Are you listening to me? Some of you treat the church like you do Planet Fitness. You go on occasion, work out on occasion. No one knows you other than the one who takes your card or, 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 or checks your number. And maybe an occasional high bye with those working out closest to you but we're treating the church like a planet fitness come on we're not called to be a planet fitness god says pursue the fellowship with one another pursue it make sure that you that you stay connected make sure that you know each other and you have to Come out of your comfort zone because we don't like to be known too closely I said that last week because we don't like to be measured we don't want to be measured because if you're too close to me you'll measure me you'll measure me if we go out you'll measure me you're measuring me stop measuring me okay stop measuring me I like your church but stop measuring me okay Stop measuring me. But it's better for us to measure one another. Am I right? Because then we know when you're doing well, spiritually speaking. And by the way, you know this through discerning, discernment. Discernment. What's up? Hey. All right. You're doing good? Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. I I kind of bear witness in my heart that you're doing great, man. That, That you're doing much better than you were last year. Praise the Lord. Amen. Or... Mm. we need to fellowship. We need to talk. What's going on? Talk to me. Man, I'm going through a struggle. I'm, I'm being tempted in this area, that area, and so on and so forth. How many say amen to that? Amen. Somebody say, the power of all. Power of all. Say it again. Power of all. And so we're building. What is it, hear me real quickly, what is it that can sabotage the power of all in a church? What is it that can destroy us coming together as one in the church, okay? What is it? Well, the Bible says in the book of James, chapter 3 and verse 16, watch this verse. It's for, it says, for wherever there is jealousy or envy and contention, and rivalry and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vice practices. So God says, wherever there's no sense of all, wherever wherever there's no community, wherever there is disharmony, wherever there is selfish ambition, wherever there's that, uh, it says there's all sorts of evil and vice practices. Is there an amen in the house? Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Come on. I'm not gonna keep you long. Listen to this very carefully. What are some of the reasons? Some churches cannot operate in the power of all. It's because they have allowed to go unchecked jealousies and competition in the church. Jealousies and competition. Is there an amen in the house? Uh, Watch what Proverbs says, chapter 22, verse 10. Chapter 22 of Proverbs, verse 10. Uh, This is another thing that destroys the unity in a church scoffing and mocking the vision scoffing and mocking the what the vision notice what it says it says drive out the scoffer or the mocker and contention will go out or will cease yes strife and abuse will cease okay so God says what do you do with someone that is a mocker you know sits in the congregation Pastors preaching, he's teaching about one and so on and so forth. And you're just thinking about the multiple times someone didn't call you. I was in the hospital last week. Nobody called me. Power, power of all. (sighs) You See, there's no place for that. There's no place for that. Am I saying we're gonna be a perfect community? Have I, have I ever said that? No. But we're going to pursue, remember the scripture? Pursue it. We're going to pursue to operate in the power of all. We're going to pursue fellowship with one another to where we know each other. Is there an amen? amen. We're going to pursue it. It doesn't matter if we are 1,000, if we are 2,000, if we are 5,000, if we are 10,000, if we grow right. Listen to me then we're healthy. We're able to break down, amen, add pastors to care for the flock. Is there an amen in the house? That's why we have connect pastors in this church. We call them connect pastors. And and these are some people that'll come up to you. You don't even know that they're a pastor, but they're trying to help you, guide you, lead you. They don't come with a badge that says, I am pastor so-and-so. They don't come like that. But they come in the power of all. And they want to make sure you're connecting to growth track, you're connecting to discipleship, and you don't even know you're talking to someone that's a pastor or maybe a pastor in training. Is there an amen? Amen. Somebody say amen. Come on. Okay, real quickly. Scoffing. The Bible says drive out the scoffer. Hey, sometimes we have to drive out the scoffer. Well, the church needs to love everybody. Yes, the church needs to love everybody. But if there's somebody that's causing division among us and refuses to repent after they've been addressed and after they've been approached in with one person and then two people and then the elders, then the Bible gives us instruction and says, drive out the scoffer. And when you do, the problem will cease. Somebody say amen to that. Yes. What about gossip and backbiting? Proverbs 26, 20. Look what it says. Proverbs 26, 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes what? Out. And when there, where there is no whisperer, contention what? Ceases. What's a whisperer? Someone that won't tell you something in your face. They'll whisper it to someone about you. That's a whisperer. They just like to talk to other people about other people. Talk to other people about leaders. Talk to other people about what they feel is wrong, but they never address the people in charge. Somebody say, look at your neighbor and say, don't be a (laughs) whisperer. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Okay. Okay. Now watch this. Real quickly, let's just go to a final scripture here. We're talking about the the power of all, right? Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Let's jump to Acts chapter 2, verse 41. I'm passing over a few scriptures, but that's all right. I want you to notice what the church looked like in the New Testament, what they looked like in the New Testament. And this is so far removed from today's church that it almost looks odd. Verse 41, therefore, those who accepted and welcomed his message were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This was the preaching of Peter on the day of Pentecost. And then it says, and they steadfastly persevered. Everybody say they persevered. Watch this now. How did they persevere? Everybody say persevering. Say it again, persevering. All right. How many of you know we need to persevere? Persevere means you're in it for the long haul. You're, 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 you're making it through thick and thin. You are fighting through battles. You're, 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 you're remaining standing when all others are falling. Is there an amen? You're persevering. Watch this. And they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly. Everybody say constantly. To the instruction and fellowship of the apostles, to the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper, and prayers, okay, and what? Prayers. So not only the Lord's Supper, not only are we called as a church to participate together in the Lord's Supper, but we're called to corporately come together and pray. That's what we do on Thursdays. On Thursdays, and we encourage you to come out on Thursdays. I spoke to some of our leaders downstairs, and I said Thursday nights is a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. I I work in the city, working on building a church, working there with with con, con tra- contractors and so on and so forth. And I am there early in the morning. I'm there till four o'clock. I drive from Chicago all the way to Burr Ridge. 40 minutes 45 sometimes in traffic i pick up my wife some of my kids and i drive all the way back to oak park because i want to pray in the power of all for one hour with the church that's the power of all that's believing in the vision that's that's coming together that's saying i am going to be included in this Is there an amen in the house? Watch this. And it says they did the same thing. The New Testament church did the same thing. Then it says in verse 43, watch this. This is what seems odd in today's world. And a sense of awe, reverential fear, came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were performed through the apostles, the special messengers, and all who believed, who adhered to, and trusted in and relied on jesus christ were united and together they had everything what in common verse 45 and they sold their possessions both their landed property and their movable goods and distributed the price among all according as they had need and day after day and regularly they assembled in the temple with united purpose, united purpose, and in their homes, they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of the food with gladness and simplicity and generous hearts. Everybody say, generous hearts. Listen to me, faith world. And with this, I close. We have an opportunity right now to set in motion a great wave of increase in our ministry. We have an opportunity right now to set in motion a great wave of increase in our ministry that will be unleashed as we commit ourselves to function in the power of all. If we do not go back to the New Testament model, and all we're doing is reinventing the idea of church, bypassing the biblical blueprint left for us, then we are not going to see fulfilled what God has called this church to do. And so we have to come together as one. That means there's going to be sacrifice. You see, I don't do the things I do because I'm a pastor. I don't do the things I do because I'm a leader. I do the things I do and I act the way I act because I am a son and daughter of Almighty God. Is there an amen? When I say daughter, you know what I mean. We are sons and daughters. Somebody say amen to that. Okay. Now, when... We started our church in, on Fullerton Avenue. I knew that God wanted to save multitudes in that place. I did. It was just a handful of people, 100 of us, roughly, that came together to build out a 20, 20,000-square-foot 20, building, a 20,000-square-foot building that used to be a bowling alley. It was 100 of us that became so galvanized in our purpose that God began to do miracles and to do it through us. God began to move miraculously. We started sacrificing. We got a revelation of sacrifice. We literally got a revelation of sacrifice and a revelation of single-minded purpose as a church. God called us together to do this. I had a young man that said, Pastor, I make good money. Uh, I'm a salesman. And he says, the Lord laid in my heart to go this weekend and to go sell all of this product. He had a lot of product to sell. And he says, Pastor, I'm going to go out this weekend and next week and I'm gonna bring the proceeds to the church because I believe in what we are called to do. He went out and he did that. I had another woman and she came to me. She had three children, no husband. She was a single mom. She came and she said, Pastor, I am going to give for the purpose of building this church. I'm going to give every other check. Now, she was able to do that. She said, every other check is going to come, and I'm going to give it and sign it to the church. And she worked at a hospital. And she had a good position in this hospital. And every other week, she came and she gave that check. I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about our young people and how they came together and how they went out into the streets and how they worked to... Help us build a church. People began to sacrifice here and there. God began to do things. First, connect us together as a church. First, the body has to come together. When the body comes together, God sends the blessing. Everybody say he sends the blessing. Oh, how good and how perfect it is when brethren dwell together in unity, there, God says, I will send the blessing. So when we come together in the power of all, God sees it and he says, now I'm going to bless you. I'm going to first bless you through your own efforts and then I'm going to touch men outside to begin to bless you. So what did we do? God started doing things, beautiful things. He touched a man from Barrington, driving down Fullerton Avenue, never knew us, never heard of us, didn't know anything about what we were doing. He's driving down Fullerton Avenue, and as he's driving down Fullerton Avenue, he hears the Spirit of the Lord speak to his heart and say, park here, go in that building. When he looks at the building, he says, God, why do you want me to go into a nightclub? Because our church was catering to a lot of young adults. And so I had a whole bunch of neon on the window and so on and so forth. That was back in the day, y'all. Neon was in. Now it's LEDs. And I remember that he said he walked into the building. It was a Saturday night. Walked into the building on a Saturday night. And when he walked in, he said he saw the first floor, and the first floor wasn't finished yet, it was all gutted out. So he walked up the stairs. And when he walked up the stairs, he realized he was in a service. And he sat down all the way in the back of the church. And when he sat there, he waited for the message to to, to end. And that day, I was collecting the offering after service, as opposed to in the beginning of the service. And I collected the offering that day after service. And that man that came, stood up and came all the way to the front of the church. And he gave me an envelope. And when I opened up, I didn't open the envelope. I actually put the envelope in my pocket because I thought it was a note. I used to get people to write me notes and tell me to pray for my mom and so on and so forth. So I put it in my pocket. I said, God bless you, man. Thank you so much. Amen. Hugged him. He went. Never saw him before in my life and never saw him again. And that day when we went to count the money in the church, we needed 9400 and some odd dollars to pay for the taxes The property taxes, because at the time, we were not yet tax-exempt. And I remember that when we started counting the money, my accountant, if you will, the bookkeeper of the church, she said, Pastor, this is the only thing that came in. And I said, well, the money was due on Monday. This was a Saturday. And I remembered the envelope I got, I just opened up, took out the envelope, opened it up. And there was a check for 9,400 exactly what we needed. I started crying. I started bawling, weeping. My Uh, finance person started crying. Her husband comes in. We tell him what's going on. He starts crying. We're all crying in that little tiny counting room. That was like maybe five by five. That's all I knew. It was a bank-issued check. Two months passed. The man... Calls us. My secretary says, there's someone on the phone. He said he's the one that gave the money two months ago. I picked up the phone and I said, man, tell me what happened that day. I need to know. He said, I had just left the closing in downtown. I live in Barrington. I was driving down Fullerton Avenue. He says, I never drive through Fullerton Avenue. He said, but I was just driving down west on Fullerton Avenue. And he said, when I got to the building where you all were at, God spoke to me and said, get off and go inside. He told me the whole story. He said, I didn't realize I was in a church until I was upstairs. He says, and when I sat in the back, God says, you see that man with the white shirt that that is preaching right now? He says, I want you to take that check and sign it over to him. And he obeyed. And that day, God moved miraculously. But see god does not do those things unless first the body assumes responsibility for their part and what they have to do is there an amen in the house everybody stand to your feet i want you to look up here for a moment Next week we're gonna be giving out these little flyers they're a part of this pamphlet this my dear friends is our building a legacy of faith campaign we have a building to build we have a legacy to leave is there an amen in the house and so Everyone that is here as a family is going to pray about what they're going to give. Now, after going through all of our tithes and offerings and so on and so forth, we have a basic idea of who can give a certain amount. So we're going to be breaking each family here, listen attentively, we're going to be breaking up each family in our church into units. So one unit is one family. That means the husband, the wife, and the kids. Is there an amen? Not each individual is a unit, but families make up one unit. And we're going to break up the church and families here into units. And we're going to put one unit, can possibly, one unit in our church, or two units in our church, two families, can possibly give a certain amount. Thirty units or 30 families in our church can possibly give a certain amount and so on and so forth we're not going to call you and tell you you are the unit that can give this amount but we are going to ask you to pray and to come together in the power of come on everybody say it all and pray some of you have never sacrificed for god like we're asking you to sacrifice now Some of you have never sacrificed for God like we are asking for you to sacrifice now. This is going to be very clear. Every one of you is going to get one of these. We're going to, it's going to have a letter from me to you. It's going to have our ministry commitments, our prophetic timeline, okay, how this ministry was prophesied and how we've seen the fulfillment of the building we have now when it was prophesied in 1999. And you're going to see all that written here. You're going to see the seven pillars that we build our church on. You're going to see the various ministries that we have in this church functioning on an ongoing basis. You're going to see our faith world timeline here from 1991 to where our ministry was birthed all the way to 2019, where we are now, and so on and so forth and you're going to be given an opportunity to give. For some of you, it's going to be something radical, out of the box. We know that not everyone is going to give equally. There is no equal gifts, equal amounts, but there is equal sacrifice. We're all going to sacrifice. We're all going to feel it. Did you hear what I just said? We're all going to feel it. Okay. And pastor well I, I, don't, I, I don't have anything I don't have anything well then ask God to make a way and give you another Avenue of income so that you can bless his house is there an amen pastor how dare you why would you inconvenience or impose on me like that because that's the way that we operate as the Cruz family when God tells us we need to up our giving we start praying about ways to make more money, whether it's through Airbnb, whether it's through, through uh, coaching, for those that are authors. My wife right now is, is uh, teaching people or coaching people how to author their books. These are extra things that we're doing so that we can bless the house of God. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. I bought a car. I bought a car I invested some money I had bought a vehicle and I bought this vehicle at a low price so that I can sell it at a higher price what for all of the money is going to the ministry did you hear what I just said do you see what I'm saying in other words don't look at yourself now and say well I can't no 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 say how can I everybody say how can I is there an amen Now, we're going to be giving this out. Now, you can take a deep breath and let it out slowly. Okay, and the reason why I said that is because this is not due at the end of the month. This is not even due next month. We're going to have one day, and that day is Easter Sunday. And on Easter Sunday, we're going to come because God gave his best. We're gonna give our best on Easter Sunday. God gave his son for you, which was heaven's most precious gift, and we're gonna we don't see any better day than to come with our sacrificial gift and give it to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords so that we can build a house with his glory. Somebody say amen. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you've subscribed in order to get our latest messages. And also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You know, it's always an honor and a privilege to come to you on a regular basis to deliver to you the life-giving Word of God. Until next time, God bless you.